We are back. Yeah, back after only two months. Two months. We had a, a great little Eric Floberg interview uh, intercut between when we did our last podcast and now. Yeah. A lot has happened. You've moved. You moved to a location on this earth. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, <laughs> it's a new location. Um, you and Malachi are roomies. Yeah. Although I haven't seen him because he's been in Germany for the last month. Yeah. Uh, so Lucky he, dog. He moved in and then in about a week and my roommate, he just, he went to mm -hmm. Germany and Christmas and all that stuff so and then we went to Japan Japan Wow yeah that was a nuts trip yes I mean obviously we're gonna get into our uh, main topic of the day um, later here we'll talk about the s5 mark II, which is sitting on our table right here but let's talk about Japan first because that is part of this whole experience yeah so we uh, specifically went to Tokyo mm -hmm. um, we were there for the Panasonic S5 Mark II release, uh, which was great. But um, interestingly, uh, Japan obviously is just wildly different than the United States. Uh, it was so. my first time in Japan. I think yours as well. Yeah, that was definitely my first. It was my first Asian country that I've ever been to. Japan was uh, pretty uh, interesting and different um, in a lot of ways, in a lot of great ways, honestly. I was, yeah. um, I've never really had a desire specifically to go to Tokyo. I'm mm -hmm. um, not much of a guy for cities. Um, but after having gone, I'm, uh, I would love to go back as, as soon as possible. Me too. And I, th I think, you know, with that in mind, I would love to just do a Japan trip in general. Right. There's, you know, Mount Fiji, which we never got to visit. Mount Fuji. Fuji. Fiji. Why do I keep saying Fiji? Because there's a place called Fiji. I don't know. Yeah. Mount yeah. F Fuji film cameras. Yeah. Mount, Mount Fuji. Fuji. Yeah. Is that where that comes from, you think? I do believe so. Yeah. Yeah. I was late on, the, was late the, on that. But. Yeah. You didn't have your soundboard pulled up. <laughs> um, yeah. And I'd also like to go to Kyoto, um, which I think, uh, didn't Chris Howe go there? Someone, so. someone went yeah. there on the trip. Um, we were not the only people that went on this trip. Uh, no, there was a lot from. There was a lot of YouTubers from America, but also from all over the world. We yeah. actually got to meet some great creators from Europe and uh, other places. Um, Those are the only places: America and, and Europe, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Canada. We had some folks from. Canada yeah, as I was well. I was trying to include maybe any any Japanese um, creators, but I don't think there were any. I don't think so. so no. Um, yeah, it was. We met some French guys. We met some some guys from England, Germany, mm -hmm. um, which qualifies as European. Yeah, so. all European. <laughs> but uh, it was really fun to see a lot of our our fellow uh, YouTuber buddies like Joshio, Armando Fiera. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Chris Howe, like you mentioned. Kai W. Kai W from Europe. It's That was only the second time that we've seen each other in person, and I'm a huge fan of him. Gordon Lang, DP uh, Review guys, Chris mm -hmm. and Jordan. Um, Tyler Stallman uh, was supposed to be there, but he was in Thailand uh, with his wife Anya, and he was very bummed that yeah. he couldn't be there. He missed out, but he also didn't because he was in Thailand. Yeah. So Patrick Tommaso, that was the first time that I actually met him in person. Yeah, really and, nice guy. Uh, we've been talking on Twitter for for years now, and it's fun to like actually, you know, be able to hold each other in the flesh. Yeah, <laughs> give each other a big um, old hug. iPhone Do was there. Yeah, uh, Farak was there. Farak. That was fun to see him. Caleb Pike, Photo Joseph, Terry Warfield. He brought his wife too, so we got to meet her. Yeah. Um, really amazing. Uh, there's there's others too that, that were there that we're not mentioning because um, it's just not coming to our head here. And if you're on YouTube and you're in this world, you've probably seen all their videos by now. Or at least, or at least Instagram you know. photos uh, uh, yeah. in Tokyo. Obviously, we couldn't talk about why we were there when mm -hmm. we were there. I think people were 
figuring it out. Yeah, um, there was a couple leaks that there were uh, occurred, and Panasonic was not thrilled about that at all. Um, As they should, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah they, like, hey, we flew you to. There was one thing. One rule. One rule. <laughs> Please don't post anything about the camera or why you're here. It's like the Garden of Eden. It's yeah. like you only had one thing not to do. <laughs> yeah. But um but anyways, yeah, so um but people obviously did figure it out. The Panasonic S five Mark II, which yep. is a great camera. We will talk about it a little bit later. But one of the things that I wanted to just talk about, which I think would be fun to chat about, is just how different uh mm. japan work to the united states yeah. um for people who are from the u.s mm. it is different in a in kind of a beautiful way yes um one of the ways that was interesting was just how clean it was <laughs> it was I mean, surprising yeah I, i've never been to a city that was clean i kind of described it almost like a pixar city it was like yeah. something that someone would animate you know like it was just because there's like there's no human uh, debris, so yeah. like you have to make everything in CGI. So it's right. like oh, I'm not gonna make trash. I'll just right. like make it look. Yeah, all maybe clean. a bin or something. But like, yeah, and it, there weren't even bins. <laughs> there weren't even bins. Yeah. So one of the things we discovered while we were there, I don't know that it's so much of a thing anymore. Although it's still somewhat of a thing, but it, it, we were told mm-hmm. that it was considered rude to uh, travel walk, you know, to transport yourself while consuming food or beverages. <laughs> yeah. uh, so to go, when you get things to go there, it doesn't mean, oh, thank you for my to-go cup of coffee and you start walking down the street and drink it. And then if you're a dirty American, throw it on the ground later. Yeah. Um, it, it, you literally, they like package it up for you in a, in a bag and like seal it all up. And then you're expected to go to where you're going. Yeah, like to work. Go or home or wherever you're going and then consume it there and then dispose of the trash Which yourself re- requires discipline. Cause you've got a bag of warm, delicious food right. that you're not allowed to eat until you sit down at the location you're going to. And they do a good job of, uh, uh, encouraging that because there are no trash cans everywhere, anywhere. So, if you do, which you know we did once or twice, because yeah. we're we can't help ourselves, you just carry around the trash because mm-hmm. there's nowhere to throw it away until you get to wherever you're going. And we noticed some uh, locals who would, you know, whenever they would stumble across a trash can, they would pull off their backpack and like take some trash and throw it in there. Yeah, it's so like, it seems like maybe some people carry bags specifically, mm-hmm. a trash bag, on their back, on their back, <laughs> which is. It's very interesting. But, but it, it starts at an early age. I was talking to a local and he said that um, in elementary school, they teach the children to clean the, the school. There's no janitors at school. Wow. Yeah. So they're taught how to clean the toilets, you know, wash the floors, wash the windows, stuff like that. Yeah. And so it's just instilled in them to take care of your surroundings. And I think this is a valuable thing that we could learn from. Yeah, absolutely. Honestly. Um, another thing that was particularly fascinating to me was the organization of everything. Not only was it uh, impeccably clean, um, I saw, I think I saw one thing of trash on the ground the whole mm-hmm. time I was there. It's one, wild. One th- and it was probably left by an American, let's be honest. Um, but it was, um, everything was super like almost regimented, I would say. So like, for instance, yeah. the uh, train system that they have mm-hmm. there, which is amazing. And it's always on time or early. It's at least on time. Uh, one of the things that they did is they would line up in perfectly straight lines. Did you notice that? Yeah. Yeah. And everybody follows the rules. They're, they're right. always exactly in line. And it's not necessarily like, I mean, in a way, there is a bit of a governmental difference there. You right. know, we have the, we're free, dadgummit, you yeah. know, attitude. <laughs> right. Um, and they don't have that as much. It's just not instilled in them. Right. They do have Western, you know, 
systems of capitalism and you know the, the, it's it still felt very normal right um day to day but yeah they it's not a conformist idea it's just simply like efficiency right but everybody lining up in the right line where they're supposed to stand where they're supposed to go right like it's, it's it the makes entering and exiting the train as clean and simple as possible mm-hmm. so it's like they actually so if the door was uh, if you're at the door to the train where the tr- it's gonna appear which it's marked on the ground which is great mm-hmm. so it always parks in the same spot um they would form two lines on either side of where the door is going to be mm-hmm. um which left a nice little tunnel in the middle so that people could exit down the center mm-hmm. and then the rest of the people would then funnel in after that so it's just a really beautiful system uh even at starbucks because we found a starbucks while we were there yeah and uh of course again straight line so they, they form a perfectly straight line at the uh register and then once they ordered uh whatever they wanted coffee or something they would go then to the other side of with a receipt. the bar with, <laughs> with the receipt and they would film, form another line mm-hmm. and they would pick up their coffees in the order that they were ordered <laughs> it was mind-blowing that starbucks would go in the order that the coffee was ordered <laughs> yeah because you know i mean i used to actually work at starbucks back in the day and it was just mm-hmm. whatever got done faster goes out yeah. which is i guess maybe efficient in another way but it was just everything was just just well done there in, well, that, in that regard well, come to think of it, I don't really remember seeing any like drive-throughs. You know, like I don't think I don't think they have. Yeah, they may not have. They, they might have it, but I didn't really notice that. So I guess in a way, that's why we have the system we have because it's like you've got people that are in their cars that seem to get priority, right, uh, over the people who walk in. True. Um, which is why sometimes, even if I know I'm going to sit in there, I just go through the drive-through because I usually get it quicker. Right. Right. <laughs> not always. Um. But yeah, and then... That's actually a good point. Well, not only was it not, there are no drive-thrus, but there wasn't really cars. Mm-hmm. So uh, there were cars, there well, were yeah, streets, I mean, obviously, but... Um, mostly trucks and, you know, th- people delivering things. Yeah, like there were... Maybe taxis. Be- sure, yeah, taxis and stuff. But for the most part, it seems like everyone uses the train system, which is actually a pretty great experience mm-hmm. as a whole. Um I we got like this uh, in our Apple wallets. You just put mm-hmm. this app uh, where it's a, a card on your phone. What's it called? Yeah, it's it's an Apple wallet. It's just a transit pass, and you, yeah. they have this in New York as well. But oh, okay, cool. Well, I've never been to New York, so yeah, it was great. It was just you just you don't even have to unlock your phone. You just put your phone next. Not even it doesn't have to touch anything. You just walk past. Yeah, it it, it notes where you are, and then when you get off, it notes where you got off, and then charges you accordingly. And it was and, pretty cheap. Yeah, and because the American dollar is worth a little bit more than the yen, um, we were able, and and because everything was significantly cheaper, it was very affordable to get around. We'd spend, you know, maybe three or four dollars for a pretty far to scoot around. Little train ride, yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then of course the food. Uh, Connor and I both love uh, the food. Although you're not much of a sushi guy, but yeah, um, the ramen was great. The you know the the cooked food that you did eat was delicious. I like my food cooked. I'm sorry, but a little simple in that way. Well, that's okay. Uh, Not everybody is sushi guys, but um, but obviously, as a sushi fan myself, I mean, it was certainly some of the best sushi. I've ever had um, up there with any, you know, very expensive place. Right. But you can just um, get it anywhere. But you can just get it anywhere for yeah. a very affordable price because, I mean, it's everything is fresh there. They're, mm-hmm. they're getting the seafood directly from the ocean. So, right. 
Um, Whereas they got to kind of ship it pretty far yeah. out here in Nashville. <laughs> exactly. That, which is why it's expensive yeah. uh, when you go to a good sushi restaurant. So I wouldn't say that like I had a meal that was like better than a five-star sushi restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but I would say almost any like random sushi place tasted the same as a five-star sushi place yeah. for a way cheaper price. So that's the comparison is like if you want to have really good high quality Japanese cuisine, you could probably find it in like a city uh, in America, like LA, New York, you oh, yeah. know, even sure, Nashville. Surely. Yeah. But, um, but it, you're just going to pay, you know, three times as much. <laughs> Easily <laughs> so, three easy. times as much. Yeah. The, the beauty of the temples that we visited, oh my gosh, um, yeah. we saw a couple of them. Um, and you Sen, know, uh, what was it? Senji, Senji, yeah. Jo, jo? Sen, so, Senzo G. Yeah, so we went to the the uh, iconic Sinzo G Temple. It's the the big red temple. Yeah, in the, it was in I guess you would call it downtown Tokyo. And um, from my understanding, I think it was built around 400 AD originally. It's since been I think it was maybe destroyed somewhat at one point, and then refinished and remade. But it's just unbelievably gorgeous. There's so many amazing uh, temples. We went to another one that was a little quieter, a little simpler, but it was um, very, very beautiful. Um, it almost felt like a movie set when we were there, which was pretty amazing. Yeah, you can see this temple here, the big red one. There's Josh. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube anyways, you can see what we're seeing, uh, which is uh, Dave's laptop just full of lots of selfies of uh, Dave. Yeah, and then this was like a this was a little area that we walked around in, and a place that is like a retro. It was not even a retro store; it was like a thrift store. Yeah, it's they, called Hard Off. Well, they actually had lots of thrift stores, and specifically, why when we were walking around, we kept looking for, of course, camera stores because we wanted to find like some cool retro well like us really maybe if we could be so lucky and and we didn't we didn't find anything we found nothing uh not to say we didn't find anything actually we found tons of stuff it was just all marked we were kind of hoping for a deal because the american dollar is worth a little bit more there yeah but it was all uh marked up for an american market uh, basically unfortunately all the stuff that we were looking at you could find it like this same camera on On, ebay on ebay same price um So that was a bit unfortunate. So we did find lots of different cameras. We found lots of Leicas, some cool like uh, retro Nikons and Canons and yep. all kinds of stuff. But it was all uh, just as expensive as it's in the States. So Yeah, this was one of the Leica stores that we went into. Um, got to see some really cool stuff. There's Josh nerding out about a lens. Classic. So yeah, but it, we were a little disappointed in the fact that we... Here's a picture of some of the guys I was just talking about. Farrakh, Josh... Jordan and Chris and Connor, of course, and uh, some random <laughs> hotel guests that are like, wait, what's going on over here? Yeah, we, we're definitely uh, <laughs> We took a large over this group. hotel for sure. Uh, there's, uh, there's Patrick, Tommaso, Terry, Warfield getting Starbucks. And we, one thing we didn't mention about the Starbucks was the fact that it was some of the best Starbucks I've ever had. Yeah, I mean, that's not hard to do in the because uh, Starbucks coffee is just kind of yeah. mediocre here. Fast, it's like fast food coffee, you know, in, in America. But in other places the around the world, great. it's actually kind of held in a higher uh, prestige. Uh, when mm. I was in Italy, not Italy, excuse me. When I was in um, Germany, it was the same way. And then 
where was I also where it's like start basically they use better ingredients. So like the milk, if mm-hmm. you got steamed milk, it's actually like a higher quality, not as pasteurized, not as processed as it is in the United States. And then also and you they, were watching, you were watching them make it and you yeah. were noting how they actually did it right. They were pulling but the shots. They right. pulled, they seem to pull the shots, right? They seem to have a little bit more, you know, Whoa. Uh, they seem to have a little bit more care in what they were doing. Um, this is me filming them. Uh, making it i mean if you're watching the video it, it, it's nothing crazy but like even just do you notice how like she even like did a second glance making sure it's like you know it's like the, i feel like starbucks employees and not to be stereotypical i'm sure there's some that are wonderful surely yeah. i just feel like on average it's just kind of like what do you want and yeah. it's like here you go and you know no and nine for me i i don't know why i have particularly bad luck it's it's like it's wrong like half the time at least yeah. half the time <laughs> and I, i'm not ordering uh complicated stuff i didn't think but um i would say in general there was a level of care yes. in any employee i mean down to 7-eleven mm-hmm. you went to 7-eleven yeah. it was just they everyone everyone just like they cared about the their job and they cared yeah. about the customer and it was just everywhere was a very pleasant experience um it was yeah. It's it's just part of their culture, really, to to be I think thankful for work, you know, and and they and take it really seriously. Just everyone's just seems very respectful as well. Extremely respectful. They they like bow to you, you know, when when you if they hand you a receipt, they kind of like they bow down to you in a way, and they, as a sign of respect, they like present it to yeah. you in a way because I don't know. It's just I was uh, blown away by how nice everyone was there. It was so much fun, man. It was a I, fun trip. I loved it. I loved every minute of it. It was a really enjoyable time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really grateful that we were able to go and grateful to Panasonic that allowed all this to even happen in the first place. Yeah. Obviously, the reason they did it is because this camera is coming out. Right. A bunch of YouTubers are going to talk about it. It's marketing for their camera. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, a, you know, it wasn't even, there There was no agreement of like, you must make a video, but it, it is was, expected. It was... <laughs> implied it was come out here see our camera have our camera they gave the camera to dave yeah here it is um so just for context um this was given to dave and then um our good friend lucas from condor blue um just sent me this cage that he also made i guess they must have given him the dimensions yeah, they uh they uh, well actually they, i think they gave him a camera cool um so he was able at to least build a it. mock body so that they could build a really nice cage it's a great cage yeah it looks really cool i actually haven't seen it in person at, yet so yeah i mean i could I yeah give me a tour give me a it. tour one of the things that i really appreciate about um lucas's team um of engineers and what they've done is they're, they're they are really thoughtful about things um for example the um the strap lugs that are designed for the the you know normal strap for the camera Mm -hmm. that's a great place to help give some stability so they're actually jutting in a little you know piece of metal that jams into those areas that makes the cage even more rigid yeah uh, but allows the top you know basically in the past a lot of cages would go into the hot shoe but because you, if you want to use the XLR module on this, mm-hmm. you need to have access to it. Those points are there. Yeah, it's a really great idea to use those as points of contact. All the all the necessary, um, you know, tools that you need are built in with magnets, yes. so they don't fly out right into the base. Uh, you've got your three eighths and quarter twenty on the bottom in the correct areas. Um, 
Lucas sent me a, a video showing a new handle that they were they just made a side handle that can control a camera that looks really nice. Oh, that's great. The top handle obviously has a little record button that you can use. Um, if you want to learn more about that, check out the Connor McCaskill video on their channel. <laughs> I used to do stuff for them years ago. Yeah. So. Um, but I, I one of my favorite things about this handle too, or the cage, is the fact that I can have my preferred mic, which is the new Deity. Uh, V-Mic D4. It's a great little mic that they also sent to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the little off-axis. Um, it's off-axis, so I yeah. can still hold it, and it's nice and clean. Right. Um, and I haven't used a cage in years because I personally kind of like the run-and-gun nature of a smaller camera. Um, I, I actually agree with you on that. I don't prefer cages on my cameras uh, as a whole because I don't normally need to attach a lot of stuff. I mean, this mm-hmm. is a functional piece of equipment this is meant for attaching things to the camera so as you build it out you need cages because it has more mounting mm-hmm. points it allows you to do more things filmmaker yeah and what we tend to do um is more uh low-key and you know we can just use the camera body as a whole but i will say the handle's I'm great i'm a big fan of this top handle and the i love that the button. record button's built into it and honestly it Offsets doesn't it. add much mm-hmm. weight to it at all the microphone off to the side is kind of nice I could see myself actually using this cage. My only downside with a cage is it's a hybrid camera. And if I really am using this camera as an everyday carry for non-professional work where I'm just taking pictures of my kids, Mm -hmm. obviously having a cage is too ridiculous. But But that's not what this is for. No, that's not what it's for. And personally, I've grown to love the C70s, um, you know, little handle with the little the little uh, strap on the side mm-hmm. and then the top handle, which I use, I, I always use that. And so this kind of gives me what I like about the C70 with a top handle, a more rigid and honestly, a little bit of heft isn't a bad thing. No. Um, and it has a nice little bubble on top. Yeah. For I leveling. That. Of course. Also, so, also we should just give a quick little shout out to Armando. Yes. Ferreira. He released a new product. We have one on here. It's called the Mondo ties. It's for uh, cable management if you ever use sprig ties, it's similar to that. Although um, a lot of people have, and I had the same issue, the sprig ties tend to like fall off. And mm-hmm. also they're not very strong. These are very strong. They're very rigid. You could hold up the camera. Yeah. Uh, you, plenty of cameras buy that if you're willing to mess up your cables a bit. Yeah, um, but give some nice organization to the one cable I have on here. Yeah, It didn't make sense to do one for this because it just goes straight down. Right. But, um, but yeah, and I, I like the blue cause it goes with the Condor colors and Condor is doing an all black version as well. Yeah. This was made in collaboration with Condor blue. So this is also a Condor blue product, but it was made, uh, like I said, in collaboration with Armando, a buddy of ours. So, so very cool stuff. If you're interested in cable management, check them out. But, um, let's just talk about this camera. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's a good time. How long have we been talking? <laughs> 28 minutes. 28 minutes. And we haven't mentioned so, the camera yet. But. This is it. This is this is the camera you've been waiting for from Panasonic. This is the Panasonic S5 Mark II, and it marks the beginning of the future yeah. for Panasonic with a camera that finally has phase detect autofocus. Which I'm sure you've already heard about in plenty of rumors, or by the time you're watching this, maybe you've watched some other videos about it, but yes. Including our, our my video. Yes, you know? hopefully. And um, um, yes, phase detect autofocus is finally here, and... Not only is it finally here, it actually works. <laughs> that's that's the big kicker with this. Yeah. Uh, with this, and I, I want to give a little bit of context for the autofocus because I've I've had a lot of time with this, not only in Japan but mostly just over the last couple of weeks since we've right. been back over Christmas. Because I used it for a soundstripe video, uh, which was a little bit more professional use case, and mm-hmm. then also 
as a daily camera that I use to film my kids with right. <laughs> uh, over Christmas. Um, so I used it for stills and also for, for video. And I'm going to go ahead and actually film something to show you how quickly or how good the autofocus is. Uh, okay. So I'm recording right now. Um, you can see in the Panasonic footage, I'm filming the camera set up here. Mm -hmm. I'm going to pan over to Connor and it is now tracked on his face. Give me yeah. some movement. Yeah. So you won't be able to see the box, but you should be able to see very clearly and easily how the focus is working and it's not jiggling in the background. That's the main thing. Yeah. So move up really close to the camera because it's a wide angle. There you go. Looks good. Nice and clean. And then move back. Perfect. And then I'll just pop it over to myself. If you're not watching the video, basically, I'm just doing kind of your standard vlog mode stuff. But this is a huge deal because, in my opinion, Panasonic has actually been one of the better camera companies for video shooters, if not the best uh, hybrid camera company for video shooters yeah. ever since the GH... Any of them, really. They're all great. GH5, but the GH5, four, I guess, maybe five. Yeah, the 4 uh, was good because it was the first camera to do kind of like a 4K. But I think the GH5 really was a big deal. A lot of people use the GH5. Mm -hmm. um, and they implemented a lot of the video features that we want, like shutter angle, right. uh, waveforms, better focus peaking and options. Obviously, and, if you were adapting, you know, cinema, cinema, glass. cinema glass to it, uh, autofocus wasn't a big deal. But it did limit... I think their audience by mm -hmm. having contrast-based autofocus and it not being reliable, uh, the YouTuber market and then the new wave of like content creators online, especially you can even get into mm -hmm. vertical content or whatever. Um, they just shied away from it because uh, they needed the ease of using autofocus. They didn't want to set up all the cinema glass and do manual focus. And then even from, I think now the stigma of autofocus has been removed for professional use. Um, in fact, you know, our main A camera right now is the C70, mm -hmm. which has Canon's dual pixel autofocus. That's great. And it's great. It, and they actually just did a firmware update that has made it even better. Uh, Connor's camera is the R6 Mark II. We're using autofocus right now, even though we're moving around. Yeah. Although... This camera here, the C300, is manual focus. Mark one. Which is totally fine, honestly, for this use case, because I'm not really moving around that. Honestly, much. we could do set it up in manual focus for all these cameras. <laughs> uh, there's no real reason to use autofocus in this scenario, unless we started getting up and walking around. Yeah. Um, but I can hold things up to the camera. and I hey. So like the R6 is now focused on the S5 Mark II. Anyways, it's a very useful tool as a professional filmmaker, right. um, because... Even if you're just doing a, 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 an interview with somebody, having a, a competent and reliable autofocus is very valuable because you can just kind of reframe things. You can zoom in quickly, mm -hmm. uh, adjust your framing, adjust your, your lenses quickly and easily. I mean, and you as can the even post moves back and forth. And you can even use it just to get focus. Like instead of manually dialing it in, let's say it is a sit down interview, you can mm -hmm. pop it into autofocus. It locks to the eye, then you just turn it off. Yeah, well, that was totally fine with the GH5. Right, you know? but it's quicker, faster, <laughs> more reliable. Um, but the thing that was the most frustrating with Panasonic with past cameras was the fact that their algorithm, the, you know, the DFD system and whatever their algorithm was for tracking mm -hmm. was actually very good. It was very uh, uh, reliable in terms of the box would go on your face and the crosshairs would go over your eye 
giving me a visual, you know, the camera is it un- seeing my face. It's understanding me. It understands what you want. It just couldn't deliver. Yeah. On it. Exactly. That was well, the problem was they were able to track it and and even with some of the newer cameras like the GH6, it it was better than it than it ever had been. But the main problem was the contrast detection on the sensor, which is the older style, you know, now Panasonic's doing phase detect. And I cannot get into the science of really what phase detect is. I just know that the the autofocusing uh, mechanisms are like embedded in the pixels or something. If you guys want to let me know in the comments specifically about that, I'd appreciate it mm-hmm. to understand it more. I just know it'd be better. Yes. Uh, but basically... <laughs> Classic YouTuber. But basically, um, even with the GH6, if it was locked on your face, it would almost stay locked on your face, but then the background would have this kind of um, pulsating effect, which was obviously completely distracting and not... It's almost like it was second-guessing youth- itself. Yeah, it's second-guessing itself. It's constantly kind of just always checking to make sure it's still in focus mm-hmm. and doing this pulsating thing. And it's just unusable. You can't you can't use that for an interview or for anything. Um, you know, maybe in the way that you were mentioning, if you want to just kind of lock focus and then and then turn hit, it off. Turn it off. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of GH five users did do that. Um, you know, Photo Joseph, who is a a famous uh, Lumix ambassador, right? Uh, has been using Panasonic for years now as a full time content creator, and he's had no problems because he you know, sits at a desk or he, he stands at his, his setup. He uses, I think the iPad mm-hmm. and is able to just tap his face and then lock it. Well, he's, he's built his setup around that yeah, which, so that it totally works fine. And it looks great for his purposes. And you could totally use, it's not like those cameras were unusable. Yeah. Uh, they're completely usable. In fact, there was tons of films and yeah. commercials and music videos shot on those cameras. They're uh, all wonderful. I have a, a buddy local here in Nashville who, would shoot he he has like 12 gh5s oh really and and gh5s's as well and he uses them for all kinds of shoots and he adapts all kinds of lenses on them so i'm actually curious next time i talk to him to see what he thinks about this camera i mean they're wonderful live streaming cameras if you have an operator especially really that's the 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 trick is if you have somebody who knows what they're doing and knows how to focus autofocus has never been a thing in the cinema world it's always been a focus puller so all those cameras, the S1H, the S5, the original S5, the GH5, the GH6, they're all wonderful cameras, have incredible features. Mm-hmm. But Sony and Canon and even Fuji, even Olympus in the Micro Four Thirds world, which is why I switched to Olympus because I liked the GH5, but the autofocus was so bad that I couldn't do it. So I switched to Olympus, mm-hmm. which gave me Micro Four Thirds with phase detect autofocus. All those camera companies, every single one of them had switched to a more competent and reliable autofocus system that locks on your face, that doesn't give you the pulsating effect, Mm -hmm. that is smooth and works. And Panasonic, every time we would talk to them about it at the events, they would have some sort of excuse or some sort of thing and talk about how advanced their DFD autofocus system is, which is true. Like the DFD was working, Mm -hmm. but because it wasn't phase detect, it wasn't giving you just a locked off focus. It was giving you that pulsating effect. So they finally did it. They've now implemented it into this camera and you know, they didn't announce any other cameras, but basically this is a bit of a tease for what's to come because we'll go over all the specs of this camera, but this is not a flagship camera, even though we're using it as if it is, 
It's, and um, honestly, it's a very good camera. Right. This is the mid-tier product. This is the A7 IV. This is the R6 Mark II yes. competitor. Yes. So well, might as well talk about it then. The price that um, it's coming out at this one, if you haven't already heard it, is $2,000, mm-hmm. which is an incredible price. Honestly, when I heard the number, I was like, are you sure? Like, <laughs> Oh, okay, because um, I believe if the uh, R6 Mark II is twenty five hundred, and I mm-hmm. think the A7 IV, it is as, as well. well mm-hmm. It's twenty five hundred, and this is um, easily comparable to those cameras and better in some other ways, actually, um, and it's cheaper. Um, well, especially the Canon, uh, it's better in a lot of ways. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, we'll just go over it. Um, it does open gate recording just like the S1H, um, which is like a 6K 3x2 uh, recording, which full Fuji sensor. has full sensor. It's wonderful. It's it's great to have that for the way that we shoot these days when you're needing a vertical shot and a horizontal 16 by 9 It just gives you a little bit more height. Gives you just tons more flexibility. So you can shoot open gate and later in post-production decide what you need. Mm -hmm. It is um, limited to 420 instead of 422 in open gate. But if you go down to standard uh, cinema 4K or 4K UHD, uh, you can get 422 up to 30 frames per second. You can do 4K 60, but there is still a crop on it. Um, Basically, this is a variant of the original S5. So a lot of the things that you know about the original S5 or the S1H, Mm -hmm. this is basically that sensor in a way it's different uh, with phase detect on it. Well, someone kind of explained it to me uh, in this way, which is kind of interesting. Basically, it's like they're using a sensor that is, well, to make it cheaper, it's technically an older sensor. I'll mm-hmm. use that in air quotes, but it's it's a more developed. They've had more time with it. They mm-hmm. now have figured out how to optimize it in more and more and more ways. So that's how we're able to get all these crazy features. Better processor. Uh, better processor, of course, does help with that. But um, that's how you're able to get all these extra features out of a sensor that before they couldn't do these things mm-hmm. with. So it's a very optimized use of a older sensor, but that's mm. how they're keeping it at $2,000. But you still do have a crop in certain modes. Um, yeah. But it's nothing too bad. Um, talking about crops, when you go into the APS-C or the Super 35 crop mode, um, you, it allows you to, to shoot a true 4x3 anamorphic mm-hmm. mode, um, all with um, stabili- stabilization as well with the IBIS, which Panasonic is the only company on the market that has IBIS with anamorphic. Hmm. Um, I actually so didn't know that. You can actually tell and and it's not just 2x anamorphic though 2x is the traditional you know anamorphic uh you know framing or math or whatever but you can also dial in exactly whatever your stretch is on whatever anamorphic if you're shooting 1.8x or 1.23x or whatever Mm -hmm. um all that is applied to the math of the ibis as well so you just dial in what focal length you're shooting at so say you're shooting with a 50 millimeter 2x anamorphic lens you can go into the ibis and turn on, you know, stabilization, and then you you dial in what focal length you're shooting at. Yeah. And now you have handheld stabilized uh, footage, which leads me to IBIS. I was going to say, outside yeah. of anamorphic, just standard shooting, it's some of the best, if not the best, stabilization I've used. Um, I think maybe Sony Active Stabilization could give it a run for its money. It'd be interesting to put those right up next to each other. But yes, this is potentially the best IBIS you can get mm-hmm. in a camera. Yeah, I uh, I haven't done side by side tests. I will say they've this was you know first unit first demo unit or whatever that they gave us, and it was on 1.0 firmware. I've now received 
three firmware updates since Japan. Oh, okay. So how is and it it's gotten improved? It's gotten better, like way better. The There was a little bit of wobble on this 18 millimeter when we were in Japan. Right. But now it's gone. Wow. Like, all of a sudden it just advantage. So they figured out how to optimize that. Yeah. That's amazing. So I actually do think, I mean, of course, this is just from my, just holding it and looking at the footage. I do think it's better than Sony for sure. Yeah. Um, Sony has an issue with the fact that they're using an APS-C sensor mount like mm-hmm. the, the, the e mount yeah. was designed for APS-C sensors originally because all the original alpha cameras were just APS-C which has a benefit and a negative the benefit is lots of lens options lots of lens options and much smaller lenses because their lens mount is so small that's why so many Sony lenses are tiny mm-hmm. even though they're full frame they were able to fit a full frame sensor behind that mount but they are limited by how much they can move their sensor around behind that smaller mount right but you compare that to the size of this l mount system it's a much larger um you know it's a much larger mount than what you're used it to looks a lot like sony it looks like EF other cameras size i would say well yeah people learned from sony you know canon's mount is big uh nikon's is massive oh nikon gosh, has yeah. a much bigger uh i think they have the biggest size <laughs> mount yeah um which they designed to have better balanced lenses what they told us but anyways um so yeah so the ibis is wonderful um a lot of these things if you've used panasonic cameras a lot of those things carry over from what you're already used to with the original s5 and with the gh6 but i'm right. just kind of saying this as if you're new here um the lens lineup for l mount is still being developed but it is very good you have three companies making lenses for it mm-hmm. obviously panasonic themselves which they provided their um affordable primes to us which was great the 18 to 24 the 35 the 50 and the 85 right. all the same focal length uh, not the same focal length the same filter thread which is 67 millimeters which is great all the same aperture 1.8 including this super wide 18 millimeter lens here which is an f 1.8 uh Aperture, which is great for a wide angle lens, and it's tiny. And uh, I was talking to Matt from Panasonic. He said the the reason these lenses exist is because of gimbal users. They wanted to have a bunch of lenses that are all basically the same size, same mm-hmm. filter thread, so you don't really even have to rebalance your camera. Which, as, as someone who uses a gimbal, that's great. <laughs> yeah, um, and they're all very small and light. But obviously, Panasonic makes some pro lenses as well, which are actually designed by Leica. So all their lenses that have the word pro in it are actually Leica Panasonic lenses. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, Leica makes their own lenses if you want to spend $5,000 for a, a zoom that's the same as the Panasonic one. <laughs> uh, which maybe you do. Yeah, which know. maybe good, you do. Good for you. Um, and then the big kicker and the, the best part, I think, in my opinion, um, with the fact that, you know, obviously Panasonic has some great lenses too, is Sigma. Sigma, which makes... Uh, much more affordable lenses. They're in partnership with Leica and Panasonic uh, with their lenses, and they've got all the same Sony E-mount lenses that that you are familiar with if you're a mm-hmm. Sony shooter, like the great 24 to 70 um, or the newer 16 to 28 mil, which is a very small, compact, wide-angle zoom. Any lens that Sigma makes for Sony is also on L-mount, right? Uh, which is the biggest kicker to me because Panas or uh, because Canon, I know, does God. not work with anybody. They don't have any Sigma lenses. They don't have any Tamron lenses. Nothing affordable and good. Yeah, actually, uh, uh, one of our friends, Cam Mackey, he is now leaving Canon because of this. He's, mm, I think, that was probably it's the, frustrating. The final straw. He's like, I can't. It's like Canon has turned that down, which in his eyes proves that they are not 
um, in it for the customer. They are in it for the profit. Yeah. Because obviously the re- only reason you would do that is because you want to sell more of your lenses, mm-hmm. which I get. You want to sell lenses for your camera and Canon makes a lot of money through that. But uh, giving people uh, other options... Doesn't is, give them a good user experience. Yeah. Uh, more options is always a good thing, especially for the market because it, it adds competition, which is great and it's healthy and it's always uh, to benefit the consumer. So... And- yeah, I mean, while we're on that topic, I'll say, you know, we got full-size HDMI on this yeah. camera, uh, unlike other Canon hybrid cameras, including the R5C, which Cam Mackey shot on and owned, which right. is considered a cinema camera. Right. And due to, in my opinion, Canon trying not to cannibalize the C70, mm-hmm. they didn't include a full-size HDMI on a camera that costs $6,000, essentially, that has a C on it. Yep. Um, so they've... The original S5 um, d- did not have a full size. They, they couldn't fit it. Uh, Panasonic told me they worked really hard to be able to fit this uh, large uh, port on they, this camera. They said that they had to move around some internals uh, pretty drastically to be able mm-hmm. to um, to squeeze it in there, which we appreciate. And, that was great. Uh, in addition to that, I think Panasonic has done a, a fabulous job on the engineering of the fan that is actually built mm, into this that's, camera. Yeah, great point. Um, you know, I, I, maybe I could show some B-roll here, but um, basically the intake valve is right underneath the EVF, right by, uh, above the lens mount. And then the, um, the exhaust is coming out the sides of the camera next to the mode dials. Um, really ingenious design. It's very hidden. Keeps the camera super small yeah. and light. In fact, and I believe this is smaller and lighter than the GH6. And you couldn't, uh, honestly, when I first saw it, like I didn't even notice the fans because it's, so, it's so discreet. You have to kind of really look for it to notice it. It retains its weather sealing as well by doing that. Um, they've also um, made the EVF on par with other cameras in this price point. Um, it's a 3.7 million dot uh, uh, EVF, which is the exact same number as the R6 Mark II and the A7 IV, mm-hmm. it's nowhere near the, was it 9 million dot yeah, on nine, the A7S three, Which that, oh my God. That's absurd. It's amazing. But that's a flagship camera. But, um, you know, when I got my OM-1, uh, I really liked that EVF. That's 5 million, which is what the R5 is. Right. So 5 million is kind of what your standard kind of flagship it's like, uses. Yeah. Um, so it is a lower... But honestly, I've been using this and it's great. It's it's, it's still a great EVF. It's really great. Yeah, it's it's not it's not low for the price. It's actually perfect, uh, perfect amount. The, the LCD price. screen is is good. Um, I've I don't really have anything to say about it, which might be a good thing because I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Um, yeah. Nothing stands out. It's a flip screen. We love flip. Screens. It's a good old standard flip screen. The mic jack gets out of the way of it, so you're not going to be interfering with that. Though, the uh, USB and uh, HDMI. HDMI would get in the way which if they retain the GH6 or the S1H style where it's a flip out and flip around kind of dual, you know, like the A7R5 has, Mm -hmm. uh, that would have been cool to have that kind of flip screen on it. But I think they're going to probably save that type of feature for a more expensive model. I was going to say that would probably raise the price. And I think they tried really, really hard to keep that at that $2,000 price point. So dual SD card slot, UHS-2, which, you know, a lot of people want the faster cards. I don't because my MacBook has an SD card slot, which is very convenient. And again, (laughs) I think it's like everything always comes back it's like that the price of this camera this is like an intermediate uh, camera so the sd cards is probably perfect for that use if yes. you n- really need faster cards you might need a different camera which they will probably release mm-hmm. coming soon um body wise i think the grip is very comfortable it's it's 
it's fine. Um, I think Canon is better. I think my Olympus is better. It's more comfortable. It honestly hold, has kind of a, it's so, good. it has a Sony vibe to me. It's, it's bigger, I think, but yeah, yeah it's, it's, I like the kind of more blockiness, um, design. I think it looks good. Yeah. It, it looks it, from a aesthetic perspective. I think it's a prettier camera than a Sony camera. Okay. Um, but I don't think it's, you know, that crazy beautiful, but I, I like it. It's, it's a very, a, it's a very functional camera. Uh, like a lot of cameras, it's a professional, I mean, it's, um, it's made to be used for work. There thing, is another version of the camera. You're going to talk about aesthetics. Um, yep. They're going to release the um, X version. The S5 Mark II X. And it's a uh, all black. It's a blacked out version, which is actually pretty cool. Um, yes, it I'm, is. I'm a, I'm I'm a big up. fan of of that uh, as a concept. I think other camera companies would do well to do that as well. Um, I think the only thing that's red on it is the record button. Yeah, the record button. I don't know why they didn't just black it all out. I feel like that could have been blacked out as well, but I will still say it, it does look it does look really nice. And it's not just all black. It does have a few extra key features, which we can talk about maybe later. Um, but yeah, the button the button on the top is still red, uh, but the lettering is all blacked out and everything else is blacked out, uh, which is really cool. So here's a little iPhone video of it. Um, they did not have a working unit for us to play with. It was just on this little pedestal and we could look at it. Just on display, yeah. You can see in the video, uh, all the the buttons are laid out um, the same, but they are kind of a dark gray. The Lumix logo is blacked out. The S5 II is blacked out. They they know us. They know our, our demographic love, just black everything. Matt Black everything. Um, and yeah, so the, the, the X model will do out of the USB two port or the USB, sorry, the USB C port, yeah. um, onto an SSD, it can record ProRes, uh, not ProRes raw, ProRes raw is still only available through the HDMI port, right. uh, via an Atomos recorder. Um, so you get all the ProRes raw functions that you're used to from Panasonic with that, mm-hmm. including the open gate. Um, but you know, if I don't think I would actually use uh, the ProRes, but it, it's valuable to people who who need that, who are working in a production environment. Yeah, and what's also great, again, I, they're really pricing these things competitively. They probably could have charged more, but I think it's twenty two hundred dollars for the blacked yep. out version that gives you um, that ProRes ability and the ProRes raw ability. And the the ProRes recording is an eight hundred megabit per second uh, codec. You know, it, it's it's very thick and crunchy 600 megabit per second and 400 and we haven't used it um in fairness so we we can't really speak on that but it the numbers look really good 5.8k uh open gate prores recording via the usb c Mm -hmm. port um it also is including the ability to do wireless or wired live streaming which i believe means you can just plug it in from the usb c Mm -hmm. uh and it kind of shows up as like a webcam on your camera, I think is what that means. Um, oh, that'd be great. And then same for wireless. So like you can, you know, if you plug the camera in uh, and just give it continuous power mm-hmm. over the USB-C port, I think there's a way to wirelessly sync it to your computer or whatever and use it as a webcam, basically. Oh, which that's is kind of interesting. Pretty I cool. Know, I would probably wire it in still, but that's, that's cool yeah. that it's there. So, uh, and that is not available on the S5 II version, but it's only 200, it's only $200 more, 
Um, you get the all black, of course, and the ProRes uh, and whatnot. But both models do continuous recording without cutting anything out. Which is great. Both Every models. Every camera should have that in today's <laughs> world. It's just, you just should. I don't care how much it is. Yeah. It should be unlimited. Yes, I agree. It's it's kind of dumb now. The laws have changed to where it's not an issue anymore. It used to be a European law mm-hmm. uh, issue. Thanks, Europe. Um, but <laughs> not an issue anymore. <laughs> I will say, while we're on the topic of the body, I love the layout. It's very simple. I've always wanted just dedicated dials from cameras. A lot of companies now just have all these funky layouts. I love that there's just a simple white balance button, an ISO button. Mm-hmm. I think the joystick is is big and it's easy to, to grab a hold of. The AF button is right there in the perfect spot. Um, when you're shooting in continuous autofocus mode, uh, it seems to be doing a great job, but if you want to switch to single autofocus, it's a little switch, kind of like a Fuji camera, just except it's on the back here. Yeah. Um, now, let me talk about some of the autofocus modes. So um, they are doing some AI autofocus, uh, and the way that they phrase things is a little confusing to someone who hasn't used uh, Panasonic. So what we have learned now is the kind of what we're used to format would be turning on continuous autofocus, putting it in uh, detection sub- detecting subject, which is using AI. Mm-hmm. And when you look at this, I'm looking at it myself. Uh, I don't have anything to show you, but you're, you're given multiple AI modes, human, face and eye, and animal and human. And I'm so used to face and eye for all these things, like I need eye tracking, blah, blah, blah. Right. I select face and eye because that's what I'm used to. But... Humans include faces and eyes. Yeah, turns out. <laughs> turns out. Yeah. And so what we were told, so I had it in face and eye mode, um, which is only face and eye mode. Yeah. Um, I've I've given some notes here. I was like, can you just put the word only there? <laughs> or, so, uh, it's, or put, well, it's only with an asterisk though, because it's it's like it's looking for a human face, mm-hmm. face and eye. But if you leave the frame as a human, it'll still focus on other things. Yeah. Um, whereas um, it's not like it's not like the it's not like face only mode in the yeah, C seventy yeah. no, or anything correct. like that. Yeah. Now I did ask them if they could do that, and they said possibly. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Correct. If you're in the Canon world, face only is a great mode where if yeah. you step out of the frame and it doesn't detect a human or a face, it just stays where it was. It doesn't focus on the background. That is not here. Um, but basically, what you want to do is you turn on continuous autofocus and you select human, which. Right. Not only does the face and eye tracking, which is what you're used to for the selfie type shooting, but it also uses AI and deep learning uh, autofocus algorithms to determine, oh, okay, this guy, he was looking at the camera and he turned away and now he's walking away. Mm -hmm. Well, because of AI, we know that this face is also the same as this head of of this person. Not even just this head, this torso, these legs. It's like it's understanding now the general physique of most humans, which is, you know, head, shoulder, knees, and toes. Exactly. And and it's able to determine, oh, this is a human. So it'll actually be able to track you much farther away because it's Mm -hmm. easier to see a human figure, a silhouette of a human, rather than just the face and the eyes. Exactly. But it'll also still do that in the human mode. Mm-hmm. It's it's definitely like a new system. It, 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 when we were using it, we were, we were a bit confused. It seemed like generally most people were like a bit confused, not because it's necessarily a bad menu system, but just because it functions differently than the ones we're used to. Yeah. And um, once I figured that out, you know, you want to go to the human uh, selection mode. It works great. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say it's a little... Uh, discombobulating with like basically if, if you have like five humans in the frame 
it puts a box around every single person and then they're all white except for one which is yellow which is the one that they're focusing on yeah and you can switch between them by either tapping on the screen or using the joystick to select between which human you want to select i think it's it's only it feels like a lot because instead of it just being a little head box like if we saw three head boxes it wouldn't be a big deal but you're seeing three human size boxes mm. on your screen so it feels a little crowded mm -hmm. uh, maybe if there is a way to limit how many would appear or something or whatever or I lower, don't know. lower the opacity or something yeah like a way to make it a little less uh, aggressive feeling but it is nice to, i mean it's giving you visual feedback that the camera is understanding oh look there's three mm -hmm. humans in the frame uh, which is a good thing in a way. So it's just kind of, it is like you're saying, it's a little, a lot to look at. The most important thing to me is it works and mm -hmm. it locks on it. And I would say, you know, it's up there with, with Canon Sony. Like it's, it's better than Fuji. It's better. Oh, yeah. It's Easily. better than my Olympus. Yeah. Um, Easily so, better than Fuji. Yeah. Um, and that's because they've already had a lot of hard work on the tracking with their other cameras. Cause they were like desperate to make it work. Right. Um, and obviously they've been working on this for several years. And that was one of the things that Matt told us. He was like, it was, it was like torture for us when we would meet up, you know, two, three years ago and you're complaining about blah, blah, blah. And we're, we can't really, you know, we can't say what we're working on when in the background, we've been working on this for the last three years now. Um, mm -hmm. COVID slowed it down, slowed down the production of it and everything. Um, so they've been tuning their algorithms probably knowingly. I mean, well, of course they've, they've known that this is happening internally. Mm -hmm. So they've been working on the autofocus year over year over the last, you know, couple of cameras, including the GH six, um, which again tracks really well, but the system itself was incompetent. Right. So now we've finally got a competent system with the really efficient and good tracking. I think as time goes on, they'll have more and more firmware updates. Panasonic is known for having tons of firmware updates. Uh, so over the next year or two, I'm sure this will even get better than it is now. One of the things about uh, Panasonic that we particularly enjoyed on this trip or even in the past is that they do seem to take feedback pretty well. Mm -hmm. uh, and not only just take feedback, uh, I would say Sony's pretty good at this as well, but it's just taking taking feedback and then turning that into features and then shoving it into their camera. Yeah. Um, I feel like, you know, we like to pick on them now and they honestly deserve it. Canon is really bad about that, right? Yeah. They're very much like, well, this is the way we want it to be and this is the way you're going to deal with it. Yeah. Um, whereas it seems like these uh, other companies, Panasonic, Sony, they're more willing to uh, be like, oh, okay, we didn't think of it that way. We understand how you think of it. And maybe it'll turn into a feature, maybe it won't. But the fact that they're willing to listen is is nice. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and because of that, we have, <laughs> other than the R5C, which has a uh, shutter angle, we have a camera here. Yeah. Hello, Sony. That actually has, it's a hybrid camera um, that has Shutter angle, 180 yeah. degree shuttering. Why doesn't angle. the FX3 have that? The FX30, FX3, they're cinema variants of uh, Sony cameras and they don't have shutter angle. And it, you know, you can set it to 150th of a second if you're shooting 24 or whatever, and that's fine, I guess. Yeah. But the reason that I love it is that I, you just set it and you don't even have to think about it. Right. If you go to 60 frames per second, which again, this does have a APS-C crop on it when you go into 60, unfortunately. Right. That's a limitation of the sensor. Um, but, you know, when you go to 60, it does the math for you. When you go to 180 frames per second, which this camera can do in 1080, mm -hmm. um, it does the, the math for you on that as well. It basically it's just great. gives you peace of mind um, so you don't forget. Now, if you want to do shutter speed, you can. Mm -hmm. 
And what's great because it's a hybrid camera, if I, if I switch over to photo mode, which I do by simply just going from manual video to manual photo, mm-hmm. um, and of course you can set up the custom settings, C1, C2, C3, which is great. be whatever you want. Um, it retains all your photo settings completely separate from the video. So for the video, I'm shooting shutter angle, I'm shooting V-log, which is a really, they're really flat um, profile, which is a great profile. Mm-hmm. Um, their color science is great. Um, but I switch over to photo and now I'm in a standard profile shooting raw photos at one one hundredth of a second or whatever, uh, retains, you know, all that information. The only thing it doesn't retain is the autofocus because it's actually a physical, um, switch here. Yeah. It retains the fact that like I'm doing full area continuous, uh, with human tracking and then I switch to photo and it's single point, but it's still continuous. Um, so I personally like to shoot single autofocus with just a single point often because mm-hmm. that, that way I can just kind of center center focus and then maybe like recompose quickly. Um, I don't know. That's just a preference. So you do have to switch that, but yeah. whatever. Um, so I love that. Uh, battery life is wonderful. It's the same old batteries. Uh, I think the battery life is actually better than the S5 is what they were saying. Um, so I probably just optimize something. No issues there with battery life. Um, I think overall... This camera is a huge home run, especially for the price point. And that was one of the things that they said in the press release that we were all at, which, by the way, I have a copy of. We should maybe pull that up. Panasonic at the Tokyo you know, event, they, they had a little press release for all of us. We weren't allowed to film it. So this is actually footage from the event that they sent me. Mm-hmm. And they, they actually announced the S5 II and they, they you know, full frame, L-mount, new full frame sensor, right. new engine and the price point and everything. And the whole room is just a bunch of YouTubers and camera journalists. Well, we're all waiting for what they're going to say. Cause here's the deal. They're not going to, they're not going to fly us all the way to Tokyo and not announce face to tech autofocus. Right? Like we, we all kind of knew it was happening, but yeah, there was a really great moment in here. We did it. Phase oh, hybrid contrast. <laughs> I think that, I think that's me screaming. Oh yeah. Dave was going crazy. It was great. Yeah. So that moment was hilarious. I, uh, you know, I, I was hoping more people would stand up, but I was the only one. So, uh, you can't see it in the clip, but I was, I gave it a standing O, uh, yeah. for that one. Um, you know, this has been a huge deal. People have been bugging them about it. It's been like a thorn in their foot for years now. Um, so now moving forward, I think, you know, all cameras that includes the micro four thirds, you know, GH seven, which mm-hmm. is inevitable at some point, the, uh, S two H, which is their flagship, you know, kind of R five C level type of cinema hybrid camera. That thing's going to be a beast. I would assume it'll probably do like eight K open gate. Oh yeah. You know, new sensor. Um, it probably won't have a crop in 60, you know, stuff yeah. like that. It'll probably do four K one twenty. It'll be, it basically this camera, um, if if it's not the the camera you're looking for specifically because you need a couple more features that maybe this doesn't have all this does is tell you that it's like Panasonic is now competing in a new way mm-hmm. uh, and they're going to be a, a big competitor moving forward it's kind of nice that Sony and Canon now have like a new um, comparable yeah. camera that they have to compete with more competition is a good thing and I I think like their menu system though it is big I think it's a little cleaner than Sony's um, yeah. I think you know the colors that I've seen off of this are better um, I think you know I think vlog is is better I, I like vlog a lot yeah um, you know the the stabilization is better 
the autofocus is comparable. Uh, we need to do some side-by-side tests. And again, I'm sure it'll get better with time. Um, the lens lineup is totally fine. I think in a way it's better than Canon, though Panasonic doesn't have as many great first-party lenses as Canon does. It's definitely better in terms of just pure variety and yeah. options. And ch- cheaper options, yeah. for sure. Affordability. Um, Panasonic works really hard to make all of their lenses, uh, at least I was told at the event, um, their personal, you know, the Panasonic L-mount lenses, they focus heavily on focus breathing uh, to make sure that there's no focus breathing. Um, Does this have, I can't remember, this has focus breathing compensation, doesn't it? I don't think so because they make the lenses better. Oh, okay. That's what they told me. They're yeah, like, yeah. Sony's lenses are so bad, they have to have a feature to fix it. We just make our lenses good. That's what they told me. Oh, is that right? Okay. Yeah. I, I don't know why I thought it did, but maybe you're right. Maybe it was, they were just talking about the fact that their lenses are, are particularly good for that. Um, the same old XLR hot shoe is there. So if you need XLRs on this, you can have them. I think if you're like really in into this idea and maybe even considering getting the S2H whenever that comes out, mm-hmm. um, maybe consider picking this up. It gives you a little taste of what's to come. It allows you to start kind of collecting your, your lenses if you're going to go to that. Um, I think the biggest question is, will people switch from an a7 IV or an FX3 uh, to this or um, a Canon R5 or an R6 Mark II, uh, those types of things? I don't think we should compare the C70 or the FX6. Those are you know still dedicated cinema cameras with XLR built in, with ND built in. A lot of those kind of more cinema cameras, um, but I don't know. I have some thoughts about that. What do you think? I you I, I think um, I think if you're switch? using an FX three or you're using a Canon R five, I don't think those kind of people are going to want to switch to this just because this isn't quite up there with the same level yet. Um, I think Panasonic's next camera, their next flagship camera, or whatever it ends up being called, will be uh, more of a competitor in that field. However, if you're using an FX thirty or you're using an A7 IV, or you're using the R6 Mark II, will people switch? I'm not sure. I actually really like this camera a lot. Um, I I have to use it more now that I haven't used it like you have. So mm-hmm. honestly, I don't know that I have a clear answer on this. Um, I did use it for a bit in Tokyo, mm-hmm. obviously, and while I was using it, I did enjoy it a lot. And I've had great frustrations with my Canon lately, um, so I have been thinking about leaving that system myself, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure. We'll have to see. You want to hear my thoughts? Yes, I do want to hear your thoughts. <laughs> okay. I think if you're a Sony shooter, uh, unless you're really tempted and you just you just love Panasonic, I think you're probably fine to stay with Sony because Sony is going to probably see this as, I mean, they, they already know this exists. Yeah. Um, th- this is a big competition and a big deal to finally have a true hybrid camera company that's challenging Sony, I think. Mm-hmm. So hopefully we'll finally see some firmware updates from Sony with A7S three with the FX3 mm-hmm. giving us, you know, 180 degree shutter angle and maybe even waveforms, which this camera has proper oh, yeah. video waveforms, you know, things like that, that we love on this. If Sony starts implementing them, it would be harder to state a case for switching because it's hard to switch once you're invested. There's lots mm-hmm. of lenses and the, you know, you're built into the ecosystem. Maybe even with Sony, you have the audio system now. Yeah. They, they've got a great system, but it only works on Sony cameras. Mm-hmm can't use it on other stuff so it is it is a hard it is a harder switch actually specifically the, sony is a harder switch well i, I think. think exactly because they have the all the g master lenses from the zooms to the primes they are certainly better than they are definitively better than than panasonic's lineup of lenses mm-hmm. though the you know 
all again all the Sigma lenses that are great on Sony. If you you know are trying to save money and you like the the Sigma optics, all of those same lenses are available on this as well. Where I think this is a big deal is somebody like me uh, and Tyler Stallman and you, mm-hmm. people who are still holding off against Sony because of various reasons. I just don't like Sony. Yeah, person, it's just like a preference thing. Um, like. Uh, we're we're using Canon cameras because we like the, the skin tones and the you know the ergonomics and some of that stuff. If you have a legacy of tons of EF lenses um, and you just like the system, then you know who am I to tell you what to do or what not to do? Obviously, but I do think if you're just looking at it on paper, this is now a much better alternative to Sony, uh, if not better to Canon, to Canon for video yeah. shooters, right? Um, because I really like hybrid video cameras. Um, the C70 from Canon is like in the shape of a hybrid camera, but it's not a hybrid camera. Um, it is a video camera. It's a video camera. It's got great, uh, amazing sensor. The DGO sensor is wonderful. The C-Log2 is wonderful. But I miss having a smaller camera like this. I miss having IBIS and full frame, which mm-hmm. the C70 isn't either. Um, so you end up using this big uh, turbo booster thing to put an EF lens on it, which is an older lens mount. It, so there's so many frustrations with Canon. If you're a Canon shooter, which I think a lot of our audience is because you know that I am and have been for a while. Well, it's not even just that. I, th- I think that like, it, it, save for recently with a relatively large switch to Sony, maybe mostly in the YouTuber market than in the professional market. But I, I think there was like everyone, everyone shot Canon for a long time pretty mm-hmm. much well it was um, the yeah 5d mark ii yeah. era was like all canon really right. took over that whole world yeah into the into the c200 era mm-hmm. um for video too and um i think now canon is really i think they got comfortable i think is the problem yeah they got really comfortable because they were the top dog and no one was holding a candle to them mm-hmm. and all of a sudden a lot of people are um, yeah. with sony's uh, being kind of the first one and now Panasonic stepping up their game yeah. and trying to as well. Um, well, not trying to. I think they're succeeding. Yeah. I, if, you know, Fuji has a great... The X, uh, X-H2S, I think, is a wonderful camera maybe to compare it to this as well because mm-hmm. they're doing a lot of the same-ish things here with like really high-end cinema stuff crammed into a hybrid body. It's just APS-C. But it's just APS-C and there's still even some limitations in terms of like no waveforms, mm-hmm. Uh, the, the stabilization is nowhere near as good. The, the autofocus is nowhere near as good Mm-mm. as this. Um, so I now think if you're, again, if you're all in on Sony, you got great lenses, you have two or three bodies, don't, you don't need a switch. The Sony cameras are wonderful. But if you're a holdout like myself, somebody who still is like not just a fan of Sony for, for whatever reason, and you've maybe even been a Canon shooter and you're just making the R5 work, Mm-hmm. And you're not shooting 8K, you know, even. There's a lot of people who get the R5 because for a long time it was the top-end mirrorless. Sure. And that's the only reason. Well, it's a great photo camera, too. So, I mean, if you're using yeah. it for photos, that's great. If you're using it for video and you're not shooting raw, uh, that's why I'm switching from that to the R6 Mark II for my Canon camera because I need a Canon camera. Mm-hmm. It's just too much... It's, too much money for what I was getting out of it. Yeah, you're not using it for for high end photography work no, at all. I just need I need to be able to shoot neutral picture profile for live streams, and I need to be able to shoot C log three for whatever else, and it needs to be in the yeah. Canon system. That's I, all that matters. But I truly believe that C log three is an inferior uh, profile to the C log two. Obviously, I agree with which that. On the C seventy, looks fantastic, and then 
vlog is a full you know c log two competitor and s log three competitor so well actually it's playing in that same kind of ballpark of 13 14 stops it, it is a dual native iso sensor so in vlog it's 640 and 4000 are you two uh dual natives mm-hmm. um and it you know just like most uh cameras unlike the c70 um you're you know, you, you want to expose to the right as much as you can without clipping. So one or two stops over mm-hmm. uh, and then you pull it down and post. I actually had a phone call with Jordan Drake from DP Review, who is a Panasonic shooter um, full time. He's been using the S1H and then he switched to the GH6. And so I assume he's going to switch to this as well. Right. Um, and his workflow is to, yeah, he exposed like one or two stops over and then he just applies a LUT and he just brings that down in post and then color grades from there. Um, he's using the... So the the LUT that Jordan Drake uses, which he recommends and which I really like, is called Nicest 70933EE Cube. And that is from Panasonic, I believe. Um, so you can get a hold of that. And it, it looks really pleasing. Um, Emotive Color has a LUT as well, um, but it's a little bit more vibey and kind of has the cinematic uh, Patrick Tommaso kind of look to it. Uh, which I is cool if you're going for a vibey like music video kind of thing, right? Uh, or you're just or a, a cool film. hipster guy like Patrick. Oh, don't quit. Oops. Um, yeah, exactly. So, um, but I liked that a lot quite a bit. So here's yeah. So my statement to all of you listening who are holdouts, uh, you haven't switched to Sony yet. Um, maybe you're shooting on a Canon camera and you're frustrated with the micro HDMI ports, the lack of continuous recording in certain models. Um, the, the kind of falling apartness of C log three, mm-hmm. which it just does not have the dynamic range of what is current in the market anymore. Um, if you're frustrated with Canon and of course, not to mention the Ibis wobble or just, which is terrible, the lens lineup. Yeah. Then, um, I am going ahead and saying, you know, if you're in that R6, R7 kind of world. Sub, sub three grand. If you're in the sub three grand, or yeah, I guess you could even say sub $2,500 because this mm-hmm. is well cheaper than that. Uh, you could buy, I, this is, I would say this is definitely the top recommendation for that price. Yeah. And even beyond that, I would say if you're an R5 shooter, simply for the fact that it's the best, uh, you know, Canon camera because of that 4K HQ mode, um, it's their top end flagship. If you're using it for video, even though it is an 8K recorder, um, obviously if you need 8K and raw, then um, go for it. This does raw as mm-hmm. well. Um, but I think this is better than an R5 for video shooters as well. Um, yeah. With the exception being 8K, which right. not many people need. Um, but if that is something that you're you're wanting and needing, then just hold out. And I know that Panasonic, well, I don't know, but I would guess very strongly that they will be doing educated guess educated guess so this is very exciting news um and i guess the question then goes to am i switching personally and and i I need to preface all this with panasonic did give this to me does make the switch a little easier makes it a lot easier but i want to be as unbiased as possible with the fact that again they paid for a tokyo trip they gave us the camera i am thinking as logically and as unbiased as i possibly can if I was starting over or if I owned all these cameras that I own right now um, and I wasn't involved in the YouTuber scene and the type of work that I like to do and the work that I, that I enjoy using a hybrid camera, you know, I right now have possession of an R6 Mark II and a C70. Mm-hmm. Would I sell all of that and go all Panasonic? Right now, I would sell the 
kind of like B camera to my C70, which in this case is the R6 Mark II, or also I own the OM1 right. uh, Olympus camera. Yes, I in fact, I will be selling the OM1 camera. Um, I may keep one of those lenses because it's a micro four thirds lens, which will work on a future GH7. Mm, okay. um, but this is now my B cam to the C70. I'm not selling the C70 yet. Um, I think if Panasonic does an S2H, that would make the switch much uh, easier and better because I would imagine it's going to be a cleaner, better sensor. It's going to give us probably 8K, which I'd like to play around with. Mm -hmm. It's going to give us that great very angle uh, screen that does the dual thing. It'll be a better EVF. Like that camera is going to be a boss. Like yeah. it's, I don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to have this autofocus system and it'll be better than this. So <laughs> I know it'll be awesome. Yeah. And this is already a fantastic camera. So that's so, very exciting. Um, and again, the features that they build into Panasonic cameras are just so great for video shooters, shutter angle, waveforms, anamorphic shooting modes, better uh, focus peaking solutions. Mm -hmm. You know, they always will put that uh, focus on video shooters. They know their market. And they told me that, you know, we recognize that the majority of our users are video shooters. Right. Even though they're making hybrid cameras that also take pictures, the majority of people who buy their cameras are actually shooting video, even though it's a stills camera in air quotes. Right. Um, so and it does take good stills, by the way, for anyone who cares. It takes a good photo. Yeah, it takes really good photos. Yeah, actually. it takes a good photo. So because if, if that's a concern, know that, that it's great. Um, yeah, I've, I've only been shooting JPEG because, uh, you know, Lightroom doesn't use the raw yet. And I'm just like, ah, I just need the photos now. Um, and also I'm just taking pictures of my kids, you know, over Christmas and I was just shooting in the standard picture profile. Yeah. I think the colors look really pleasing. Skin tones look great. Panasonic um, does have really nice colors. It's probably been one of their strongest points in the yeah. past years, um, is their color science. Yeah. And it, it, um, yeah, I don't, I don't really have anything negative to say about this, especially considering the price point. The only negatives would be some of the things that are the limitations of this price point. Right. Uh, like that, that is the thing. That's the kicker. It's like anything that you can say that's wrong with it in air quotes is like, well, it is $2,000. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, exactly. I mean, like, you know, you can only complain so much about it. It's like, oh, the tilty screen. I want the other one. Well, they could have done it, but maybe the camera would have been $2,500. Yeah, exactly. Or, and then You're it's like, oh, it. I want no 4k crop. Well, now it's $3,000. You know, it's like, so mm -hmm. I think to achieve the price, they did a good job of picking and choosing what they left out. Yeah. And it's exciting because now I think I, I'm curious to see what Canon will do in the future because probably do nothing. The, the, my guess is they will do nothing and that <laughs> I would, yeah, I would place my bet that they will do nothing, which means if you're frustrated with what, you know, the R6 Mark II just came out and it, we were, it was highly anticipated in the fact like, what if they actually add the features that we want and to be they fair, did add some of them they but. added a few things uh there's unlimited recording we're taking advantage of that right now mm -hmm. uh and other things that i can't think of uh, it, it fixed a few of the issues well that we, i had with the r5 we used it in uh in japan as our main b-roll camera because that's what you filmed with me with the camera right. because we had another s5 for connor to use but he was only able to like loan it for the day and we were there for three days. Right. So um, we used the R6 Mark II as our like shooting camera. And we were kind of excited about like, oh, they finally added false color to oh, the false camera. false color. That was the thing. And, yeah. and we learned, I didn't even put this in my review on Soundstripe because I didn't know it at the time. But you can turn on false color, which is a, a traditional feature in, you know, a video camera, especially monitors like a small HD monitor. Mm -hmm. 
You can only use false color when <laughs> you shoot in like a standard picture profile, <laughs> not log. You can't shoot. Yeah. Which I'm like, well, the people who are going to use false color are going to be the people who shoot in log. I was like, <laughs> someone who shoots in standard picture profile, they're not using false color, probably. Yeah. So what a bizarre Canon thing. We got, uh, when it's it, a Canon hammer. The, when the we, cripple hammer. We call, uh, yeah, the Canon cripple hammer. Uh, I don't know if Armando coined that or not, but I remember no, he, would, um, he would say that. It was uh, who said Hammer that? Conspiracies guy. Oh, is that, is that, is that who uh, yeah. coined it? That's yeah. great. So credit where credits due, and then not to mention the fact that you know the S five two Mark, the Mark two X, the black one <laughs> will do ProRes, which is really you know really it's great cool. For who needs it? ProRes RAW and all that. So um, you know, yeah. So I think Canon, Canon, Canon's just been generally okay lately. Like, mm-hmm. is it is there like is it? It's a totally it's usable. Like, oh I yeah, can, I can great. totally use. Well, mm-hmm. actually, I can't use my R five. That's a whole other thing, mm-hmm. but. In general, um, you can use it and it's fine. It's just they, there's something about it. it's like those little things that they keep taking away from us slowly and then putting it in other things so that you have to buy the next camera. And it's, yeah. like, it's so annoying. And then the thing with the lenses is, is so yeah. annoying. And I'm just, we're all getting really tired of it. It's when yeah. will everyone make the jump? It's like uh, Panasonic does all this and it's like you, you think about all that they've done for the price point and how small it is. And you go, wow, wow, that's cool. Yeah. And the the C70 is my example of this because I've been using it a lot. And I look at the image quality off of it and I do go, wow, yeah, that yeah. looks really good. But it's like... There's still little things. But it's like, it's it's a crop sensor. It, I feel like it should be full frame so that you could utilize all the RF lenses. I feel like the, uh, build, the, screen. the build quality on it is subpar compared to what other Canon cameras have been in the past. It's like, imagine a C70 with a full frame with IBIS with... And SDI. The, it needs SDI. Yeah, SDI. For what it's doing, it needs SDI. I We shoot with... Um, the guy I shoot with, we shoot with C200s and C70s, and we always have to use these dumb mm-hmm. converter boxes because everything we do mm-hmm. for switcher boards is out through yeah. SDI. It doesn't mean we couldn't use HDMI, but that's just not professional. Mm-hmm. Like imagine the C70 with that new A7R5 screen as well. That's oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, full. It has the mic, the mini XLR, so you have to use an adapter to use any normal mic on it. Which I get they did that for the size. The size, I guess. Yeah. So that one maybe is a little more justifiable, but still. Yeah, but it's those again. It's little things that they do. So when I use it, there's little headaches about it. I, I'm able to fight through it because the image is so good. It is good. And I like the the luxury, like you said, of having the built-in NDs, which mm-hmm. if I went back to a hybrid camera, you just got to man up and put filters on your lenses again. Yeah. Um, Sucks to suck. Or just do uh, what some people do and just shutter, crank that shutter. The Jesse Driftwood method. Yeah. yeah. Um, some people say you can't see it. So, and then same with, you know, the R5, even the R5C, you know, the R5C has like really poor battery life. Um, the micro HDMI port obviously is a whole thing. I think the battery life is debatable, but yes, it is bad in the terms of like, it's, it is, it is 20 minutes, it's, 30 it's, minutes. It's, it's low, but what I'm, what I always get at is it is a cinema camera with cinema features that you're powering with an LP6N battery. Yeah, yeah. What do you expect? Yeah, uh, but it's a cinema camera that doesn't shoot C log and doesn't have a full size HDMI. Yeah. Okay, there's other C log too. There are other things wrong with it, but I do think it's like, well, the battery is kind of a weird one because it's like if you powered a C500 or a C70 with an LP6N, how how many minutes would yeah. you get? No, that's fair. Not a lot. Uh, I do think it was a weird choice to go with that, but uh, whatever. 
Well, it's like, again, the, the wow factor of this camera, it's like if the R5C had a full-size HDMI and shot C-Log2, yep. just those two things, I'd be like, wow, okay, yeah, that's that's a great Canon camera right, right. there. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and it's like, and I actually like the their IBIS is so bad that I like that that camera doesn't have it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's also a problem. It's like, Canon, make your IBIS better. Like, yeah. Everybody else it has got it so that it's not all warpy and wobbly all the time. And it is. It's like you can pretty much immediately tell. It's like, oh, they're shooting on Canon. You just look at the corners. Yeah. So I think I don't have faith that Canon will solve these issues in the next one to two years. Like They need to start. It might be five years. They need to start losing, <laughs> yeah. which they are now. They're yeah. starting, but they need to keep losing in order for whoever's in charge to realize it's all it has to come i mean you know here's the deal it has to come down to money right yeah eventually they're going to lose enough money to sony and to panasonic that they're going to be like all right fine and then they'll make some camera that's really cool Mm -hmm. Uh, i just don't think it's going to happen for a while yeah i um Oh, my stomach is gargling. I'm I'm getting hungry. Might, yeah, me too. Might be time e- to wrap this I up. I haven't. E- We've talked maybe for a. This might be a long episode. It's okay. This is a big deal. I yeah. think. And um, I I just want to say, put on the record. Yes, I'm I'm essentially switching to this mm-hmm. for now. Um, until I'll be holding on to my C70 until um that kind of like higher end ish thing is available, and then I'll consider it because I still do love the luxury of having the things that that camera has. Um, but it'll be hard when an S2H is looming and we'll have even better features. But my final thoughts with this camera is I would say, I would recommend just get your hands on it. Mm-hmm. Maybe rent it if you can, or have a, if we have a buddy who has it, just, just give it a try. It's definitely, if anything, it is a, a very interesting, uh, wonderful camera that is just worth playing around with. And even if you don't decide to make a switch with this camera, I do think that this is a great sign for Panasonic for future cameras that will be more and more and more enticing if this already mm-hmm. isn't enticing enough. Absolutely. Lots, lots of exciting things from Panasonic this year. Hopefully we'll see you know, a GH7 maybe towards the end of the year. I don't, there's no rumors floating around. It might be a little early for a GH7, um, but definitely um, I'm hoping that their next camera is a little more of uh, the the flagship full frame. Yeah. And um, I did ask, I I did ask them. And I think on the record um, I can repeat this because I was like, you know, this is obviously a a banger camera and you guys are making some great lenses for the L mount system. What does that mean for Micro Four Thirds? Because they they truly have two completely separate systems. Right. And they said we are absolutely still committed to Micro Four Thirds. Uh, you know, Matt told me specifically because the sensor is so much smaller, we can actually cram so much more in there because the cooling issues aren't as much of an issue because the sensor is so much smaller. Right. So to us, we see that as a great way to experiment with features that will then trickle into the higher end full frame stuff as things get like smaller with. Yeah. Technological development. Which is why the GH4 and the GH5 were so kind of ahead of their time with the higher than, you know, the GH5 did higher than 4K before anyone else did. Right. The GH4 did 4K before uh, many people. Higher frame rates than most other cameras, right? Wasn't it like 240? Mm -hmm. It was nuts. It was nuts. And and then obviously the lenses are able to be a lot smaller as well because it's just a smaller uh, sensor, smaller lens mount. Right. Um, So... I'm excited about that because I am a Micro Four Thirds fan. I have been for a while, mm-hmm. um, ever since I switched to the Olympus, um, because of the small form factor. I really like the tiny little lenses, um, and so that's exciting as well for me. But anyways, 
we could probably talk for another hour. Yeah, actually, I did have something else I wanted to talk about, but I feel like we've gone on for so long that I, I don't need to, to bring it up. But basically, I've had a, a ordeal with Canon. Oh, yeah. uh, and my camera being, uh, my camera is MIA. It is uh, down for the count. It is off uh, being tended to by uh, Canon USA. I think it's in Virginia somewhere. Um, but I don't need to get into that now. Maybe we'll, we'll save, save that. it. We'll save it for the next episode. It's not even resolved. So maybe hopefully by the next episode, this is resolved. Yeah, maybe it'll be resolved by then. Well, anyways, I've been Dave Mays. You've been Dave Mays. I still am. <laughs> and I've been Connor McCaskill. Um and you still are. And I still am. And this is the S5 Mark II, which we really like. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, we're back onto the podcast game here. New year. New year. New Happy year. New Year, guys. Happy New Year. Happy 2023. And uh, we'll see you next week. Bye, guys. That was like on the beat. <laughs>